Welcome to the Jungets Games Podcast, where in today's episode, you'll be hearing the audio from the Games Radar vlog for September 2020. In that video, I discussed 28 new games that I'd learned about over the last month or so, and I do cover them in alphabetical order. Now, I would like to mention that the only reason this podcast is being made is because of the direct support coming in through the Patreon campaign. If you'd like to learn more about that, then you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Games. And I do hope you would consider directly supporting the channel if you do enjoy these vlogs, especially in podcast form. The final thing I'd like to ask is that if you have any questions or comments about anything I say today, that you leave those as comments on the YouTube page for the vlog, and you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. All right, let's now start talking about games, and the first one of those is Beyond the Sun. Now, I will be discussing these games in alphabetical order, and this one is being published by Rio Grande Games. Now, I've actually known about this game for a while. I got to play a prototype of it at Origins last year, so about 14 or so months ago, and I really enjoyed what I saw. Um, fortunately, I'm actually going to be doing a sponsored tutorial of this game. It's actually in the mail right now, uh, so I will be filming that relatively soon. But uh, let's talk about the game a little bit more. Uh, now, realistically, in this game, you are doing some worker placement where you have essentially one worker that can uh, go between various action spots. And the main reason that this game is interesting to me is the fact that you are progressing through a series of technology trees that are different each game. Uh, you have some level ones, then twos, threes, and fours, and each technology is a card that is put down, and it's not a random card. In fact, as you progress through these technologies and you unlock new ones, uh, the person who does the unlocking will draw two cards and choose one of them. So there's a bit of randomness, but also some choice there. Um, now, um, as you're playing through the game, you are uh, going to be uh, colonizing various planets and obviously working your way through the uh, tech tree, and there's quite a bit uh, more going on. And as you expand your technology, that will increase the number of actions that you can actually perform with your one worker. Uh, there's certainly more stuff going on, and on uh, BoardGameGeek, there's a pretty decent description for it. Uh, Heavy Cardboard has already done a full three-player uh, uh, playthrough. In fact, uh, they're the ones who mailed me their copy, <laughs> so uh, I'll be doing my tutorial for that soon. Uh, so uh, I'm certainly interested uh, to dig into this one. I'm curious to see how it is different than uh, the prototype that I got to play 14 or so months ago, or I guess even more than that. But either way, that is Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande. Uh, next up, we have Crash Octopus. I just learned about this one this morning, and this is a, uh, a dexterity uh, dice-style game where you are essentially uh, fighting your opponents while also a gigantic octopus that's in the middle of the table. It says down here that uh, players are racing to try and collect fallen cargo in the deep ocean uh, while surrounded by a horrific giant octopus. Now, uh, this game is actually on Kickstarter, and it's got these wonderful uh, wooden pieces. It looks like the octopus has a head, and then there's a bunch of tentacles that will be poking out of the ocean in a variety of spots. And I actually have the uh, Kickstarter campaign loaded up. Uh, they have a summary video of what the dexterity looks like. Um, now, what you are doing is actually dropping stuff onto the head of the octopus. It has a domed head, and things will then scatter all over the place. And then you will be flicking things with a little flag. So you don't actually flick with your fingers, you kind of spin a flag to knock things around, and you're trying to knock things onto your boat, and you are obviously trying to uh, dodge various tentacles. And at certain points in the game, you're going to drop more dice on top of the head of the octopus. Uh, those dice will move the tentacles as well as the octopus head, and potentially knock stuff off your opponent's boats. Uh, so you're trying to just collect five things, I guess, and uh, you're trying to do that before your stuff is knocked down. Um, it seems 
goofy. It, it looks gorgeous. It's got a great production value. Uh, so from an aesthetic perspective alone, I am quite interested in this game. Um, I don't play dexterity games all that often, especially not uh, crazy chaotic ones like this, but um, this just looks kind of special to me. So uh, I'm certainly uh, uh, hoping that I have an opportunity to try this one in the future. Um, I'll look into the details of the Kickstarter later. Um, I might end up backing this one. I'm not sure exactly how much money it'll be, but uh, I'll definitely take a look. Okay, let's now move on to Dinosaur Island Roar and Write, or N Write. <laughs> uh, this one is being published by Pandasaurus Games, and it says it's a roll and write version of the critically acclaimed game uh, Dinosaur Island. Um, it says uh, in this game, uh, players are going to be uh, drafting dice, and then you use those drafted dice as workers in a worker placement phase. Then a fun polyomino puzzle ensures as you try to fit all of your attractions and dinosaurs into your park while building roads and routes to the exits, and uh, uh, at the end of the game, if you have the most points, you win. Uh, now, I'm interested in this game uh, primarily because um, I, well, I like roll and write style games in general, but um, this has a couple things that uh, piqued my interest. In particular, um, drafting dice that are then used as workers. Well, I know that um, Dinosaur Island was a worker placement style game, so it looks like they're trying to lean into um, that feeling. It's a roll and write style game. It's obviously a, a different take, but they're still trying to get some worker placement in there. Uh, they don't really explain how, at least not from what I've seen so far, but um, I'm curious to see how that works. In fact, it does look like this is currently up on Kickstarter, so it's likely that uh, the answers to my questions are over there, but um, even just seeing uh, this has me quite intrigued. Um, in fact, the next game I'll be talking about is Dinosaur World, uh, which is also on Kickstarter. It looks like these are both um, together with the same uh, Kickstarter campaign. Um, now, it looks like this is essentially a new version of Dinosaur Island. Um, it doesn't say re-implemented at the top, so it's probably uh, relatively different. Uh, from what I've been able to uh, uh, discern from the details that are out there, it seems like it has the same uh, base as Dinosaur Island, but then um, some streamlined mechanics and then quite a bit of added stuff on as well. Uh, I have played Dinosaur Island once. It was a couple of years ago, and I don't really remember the specifics. I remember enjoying it overall, um, and that is enough for me to be interested in this one as well. Um, there doesn't appear to be uh, any playthroughs. There is a preview uh, video uh, by Ella Loves Board Games, so that is cool. I, I watched a little bit of it, um, but I didn't watch it all the way through. Um, I think I'm more interested in seeing some sort of playthrough style video for this one. Um, at this point, I'm not actually uh, planning on doing one, um, so we'll see what happens with that one in the future. Uh, but either way, um, Dinosaur World, it, it certainly could be good. It's got a slightly different um, aesthetic, art aesthetic anyway, um, and and like I said, I enjoyed the first one, so I'm curious to have an opportunity to maybe try this one in the future. Um, I'd like to say I could compare and contrast, but it's been so long since I played Dinosaur Island, I don't think I remember the specifics enough to actually do a good job of that. Moving on, we have Ecliptic. Uh, yeah, Ecliptic. Uh, this says, rival astronomers chart the stars and strive to be the next astronomer royal, uh, or royale, I'm not sure. Uh, now, this one uh, down here says, it's a, a strategic simultaneous action game for two to four players. You set your star wheels to observe the night sky or choose to spend your time researching and corresponding. You climb the social ranks and establish your scientific legacy uh, to become the astronomer royale. Uh, so, this game currently does not have any images on BGG. 
neat at all. Unfortunately, uh, I'm quite curious to see what this looks like. It does say that it is a drafting game with set collection, simultaneous actions, and uh, it says turn order claim action. So I guess you can take actions to uh, mess around with the turn order in the game. Uh, it says it's a 60 to 90 minute game. It seems like it's a pretty Euro-y style game and 60 to 90 minutes is my preferred um, length for games. So um, yeah, I I'm definitely curious to see some images of this one and potentially videos of it as well. It says down here that players are attempting to collect and publish sets of papers on various celestial objects, first by selecting uh, the best time of the year to make the observations. Uh, apparently weather is uh, going to come into play as well. And then you research different technologies as well. It just seems like um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here, especially from a thematic perspective. Uh, I do like the idea of being rival astronomers trying to chart the stars. Uh, so yeah, that is ecliptic. Moving on, we have Electrica. Electrica? Yeah. <laughs> it says construct energy lines and use the power of hydroelectrics. Um, the description for this game says, in Brazil, a great amount of energy is produced by hydroelectric. Great dams are responsible for providing energy to industries, markets, and houses across the country. Um, in this game, it invites you and your friends to take on the role of an energy entrepreneur. During the game, you increase the size of the map and construct uh, lines to supply energy to cities. Um, now, that all sounds fine enough, I suppose. But the reason I decided uh, to subscribe to this one uh, mostly has to do with the images. They have the box cover as well as some images of the game in play. And it looks like you are going to be building out a communal hex grid uh, with some nice cartoony art on it. Uh, there appears to be uh, some rivers with dams on them that are getting built out. And then the players are going to be uh, doing things on these specific spots out here. I don't really know the specifics of how any of this works, but um, the aesthetic appeal of what it looks like on the table is enough to draw me in. It looks like there's little plastic dams and uh, power towers and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to learning more about this one. I think if we look back, it says it's a 45 to 60 minute game, so not particularly heavy overall. And um, it could be neat. It certainly is enough for me to have my interest peaked. Okay, let's now move on to Fayum, which is potentially how that's pronounced. Uh, it says the Pharaoh's advisors urbanize Fayum all for the respect of the Pharaoh. Now, this is a new game from the designer Friedman Fries, um, who famously names all of his games with Fs. <laughs> and um, this looks to be a pretty interesting game overall. Uh, the playtime has a strange 110 to 140 minutes for one to five players. So it's definitely a uh, meteor style game, I suppose. Or not super heavy, but definitely not not light. Now, uh, there's a pretty big description here of what the game is going uh, and doing, but the main reason I'm interested in this game has to do with its deck building mechanic. Uh, so apparently the way it works is your deck of cards is actually in your hand, kind of like Concordia, and as you buy new cards, they go into your hand. Now, as you play cards, you put them onto your discard pile and you put your newest played card on top of the discard pile. That's important because as an action, you can pull cards back from your discard pile into your hand, but you have to pull them in order from the top down. Um, now you get the top three for free and you can spend resources to dig more cards out, which means you never reshuffle your discard pile and the order in which you play cards into your discard pile is going to be the order in which you retrieve cards from your discard pile. So you could play a card and then play several more on top of it and then never actually get to that card again. You might pull some cards back off the top, but certain cards might stay uh, essentially buried at the bottom of your discard pile, which could be bad if you want those cards, but it also seems like maybe it's part of the strategy of the game. Uh, you could uh, play a card to get rid of it, to uh, remove it from your overall system. Uh, now, unlike most deck building games, you're never like reshuffling your discard and drawing a random set of cards. So it seems like 
thinning your deck out is probably less of an important task. Uh, the rules are posted on BGG. Uh, I just have not had the time to read through uh, all of them so far, but I just uh, read a blog post, in which case I learned all of this stuff. And uh, I'm intrigued. It seems like it's got some cool stuff going on. Uh, one other thing of note is uh, the fact that um, you have a map with a hex grid on it. And from what I read, this is a game where the only thing that you control that is yours are the cards that you have. So you will be developing things out there on the map uh, to make the Pharaoh happy, but apparently everything that happens on the map are uh, neutral things. So if you build a workshop, then other people can use your workshop. Um, so that's kind of neat. Uh, I definitely haven't played that many games like that. So it seems like there are some pretty interesting things going on with this game, and I am actively interested in this one. Uh, supposedly, there's only going to be US distribution through the Board Game Geek store later on this year, uh, potentially uh, broader distribution in uh, 2021. Uh, technically, it is listed as a 2020 game, uh, so hopefully I'll have an opportunity to try this one. Uh, it certainly seems uh, neat. Uh, I've enjoyed Friedman Fries's games in the past. I've rarely been blown away, but they oftentimes have uh, quirky, strange ideas, and this one definitely has some cool mechanical ideas that I would love to try. Okay, let's now move on to Florence. This uh, is a game from Braincrack Games. Uh, the last game uh, that I know of from them was Ragusa. Now, the designer of this one is Dean Morris, and I'm not sure if they have any other design credits on BGG. Uh, it looks like... Uh, they made a game called Pacific Rails, which is also going to be coming out now-ish. Anyway, uh, it looks like David Churchy is designing a solo mode for this game. But uh, the reason I'm interested in this game is, well, the first reason is just because of Brain Crack Games. I thought Rakusa was a cool game. Uh, it had great art, and uh, that was enough for me to be drawn into this. Obviously, not the same designer. Uh, this is a one-to-five-player game for 40 uh, to 60, uh, or 40 to 80 minutes, that is. And it says down here that this is a Euro-style area control game in which regions you want to hold change each round as the Medici move around the city. Uh, over nine rounds, each player dispatches family members to attend parties, give gifts, brag about their achievements, and engage in spurious gossip and muscle their way through crowds to get some valuable face time. Uh, so it seems like as the game goes on, there is a uh, carnival happening, so the uh, streets get more and more crowded, which means mechanically it's harder to move from one place to the next. Currently, they don't have any images of what this game looks like on BGG. They just have a rather beautiful box cover uh, that is up there, so I'm, I'm quite curious to see how this one plays out. Um, that idea of uh, the streets getting more and more crowded, clogging things up, sounds pretty neat, and thematically, I just think this one could be cool. So I'm looking forward uh, to learning more about this one. Let's now move on to Forests of Pangea. Uh, this is a 2021 game, and there's not a lot on BGG about it. Uh, just an image of the box cover and a small description. It says, Forests of Pangea is a competitive strategy board game where every player takes on the role of a magical forest on the ancient continent of Pangea. During your journey, you need to accomplish various rituals and grow trees, expand your territory, and lure the spirits of the forest to your side. Um, each forest has slightly different, unique requirements to thrive, and you need to find the right balance. Um, so overall, that seems fine. Like I'm, I'm mildly interested by what I've read so far. Uh, the biggest reason, honestly, I decided I wanted to subscribe to this one and learn more is because in the mechanics, it says stacking and balancing is one of the mechanics, and that description does not uh, really lend itself towards dexterity or balance. Um, so it does say it's a territory-building game that has uh, pattern matching and whatnot, but I would love to see some images of what the game looks like, in particular this stacking and balancing. I'm always um, intrigued by how that works. Not necessarily enough to try and play the game, but I, I just want to see how it works. And maybe this is one I try to pursue uh, more later on. All right, we now have Furnace. 
This is a rather quick game, uh, two to four players for 30 uh, to 60 minutes overall, and it's being published by Hobby World. Uh, now, it says that Furnace is an engine-building game in which players take on the role of 19th century capitalists trying to do a whole bunch of capitalistic type things. Uh, now, there's actually a rules overview video that's only less than three minutes long that I did watch, and it seems like the main mechanic of this game involves trying to build up an engine quickly in front of yourself. Uh, now, the each round of the game has two different phases. An auction phase, which feels like it's almost more of a worker placement where you put these tokens down that have various numbers on them. And once everybody has placed all of their tokens down, um, you will check each card that's in the middle of the table. And then you will see uh, who played the biggest number. Um, the biggest number is going to actually get to claim the card itself. And then everyone else who put down smaller numbers is not out. They actually get other bonuses from the card itself. Um, so if you put the big number, you get the card and you add it into your own overall engine. And a small number, if somebody essentially outbids you, that's fine because you still get stuff. And I really like that idea. Um, on top of that, you're not allowed to rebid onto another card, onto a card that you've already bid onto. So I uh, really like the idea of potentially, um, I guess you don't have to worry about um, that outbid thing. You just go there once, and even if somebody comes in with a bigger number, you're fine. Um, it seems like it's relatively quick overall, and um, the engine that you're building with the cards that you claim seems to be very, like, get stuff, spend stuff, sell stuff, <laughs> and then uh, use the stuff that you have to go into the next round to try and to make more money. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty curious to try it. It seems like it's trying to pack a lot of game into a relatively small amount of time, which I do respect. And I'm looking forward to maybe having a shot to play this one at some point in the future. Moving on, we have Gameshire. Uh, it says, plan your farm, then reap the harvest in this cooperative flip and write and reap game. Uh, now, that cooperative bit is the main reason I'm interested in this game, especially in learning more about it. Um, this is a flip and write style game, so you probably flip some cards over and then you write stuff down onto pads. And I've played several games like this in the past, but I don't think I've played any cooperative flip and write style games. Um, so that certainly has piqued my interest overall. You have to be discussing things as you're, I guess, trying to puzzle through how you are working with the uh, random whims of the cards that um, come out on the table. And it does say that it's a 45 to 90 minute game for one to six players. So it seems like there's quite a bit going on there. Uh, definitely not a light overall game. Uh, for mechanics, it says there's also card drafting and grid coverage. It looks like you're um, doing a lot of growing, obviously, and then reaping uh, as you're playing through the game. And I'm intrigued. Uh, they do have a video, a how-to-play video, um, that I watched a very small amount of, and I, I'll, I'll try to circle back on later, but um, I'm, I'm quite curious to learn more about this one. In particular, um, the video has prototype stuff, and I would love to see um, what this game looks like with uh, more established materials and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, that is Gameshire, a cooperative flip and write, which seems relatively new to me, at least. Moving on, we have Hoverdome. Uh, this one uh, says you are an elite battle racer in the holographic Martian track Hoverdome. Your goal is simple. Be the first to make two laps around the track. Uh, now, there's not a lot of details about how this game uh, actually plays. And the main reason I am uh, following this one is because I just really like the aesthetic of the game. And I don't play that many racing games. And it's not because I don't like racing games. Um, it just 
doesn't really seem to happen. And this one has uh, really grabbed my interest. Uh, I guess uh, one thing to note is that I loved a video game called Mega Race 2 back when I was a kid. I played this one like crazy where you're racing around these futuristic landscapes and you're shooting various other people with missiles and stuff and laying mines. And I don't know. I don't know if there's shooting in this game, but there's something about this game that kind of reminded me of Mega Race 2, which went back to some nostalgic stuff. So uh, potentially I'm totally off base there, but um, this game looks cute and I would certainly uh, love to see a video about how this one works in particular. Let's now move on to Imperium Classics. Um, now, I'm actually going to talk about this one as well as Imperium Legends essentially at the same time. They have two different uh, pages on BGG, and they are just two different versions essentially of the same game. Uh, now, technically, there's a game called Imperium that went up on Kickstarter a few years ago that I did a sponsored full playthrough for. Uh, now, this is that same game, but with a new publisher. This one's being published by Osprey Games, and apparently it's had several years more development. Um, now, that Kickstarter campaign, unfortunately, Unfortunately, was pulled. It never actually got funded, so the game was never actually released in that way. And um, now, several years later, with a new publisher, they are releasing it. And um, I think mechanically, it's relatively similar to the old game. Uh, now, the big standout for this game is uh, that it's a deck builder with highly asymmetric. Uh, different factions that you're going to play. And it looks like with the Osprey Games version, they're splitting it up into different packages. So in Imperium Classics, you have, it looks like, the Carthaginian, Celt, Greek, Macedonian, Persian, Roman, Scythian, and Viking civilizations. Whereas in Imperium Legends, you have Arthurian, Atlantean, Egyptian, Murian, Minoan, Olmec, Chin and utopian civilizations that you're playing against. So one is a little bit more based in reality and one is obviously more based in legends. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see um, how this one has panned out. It looks like it's got the same artist, but obviously it's um, had a lot more development. David Turchi was, I think, a big part of the um, next development phase on this game since it uh, went over to Osprey. And uh, I remember thinking the game was pretty cool and um, adding some more development as well as a bunch more overall races, I'm sure is going to be a good thing for the game. And Osprey makes very good looking games. So I have high hopes that the production quality of this one will be great. All right, let's now move on to the next game, which is uh, Ice K Guild Masters. Uh, now, technically, this one says 2019 release, but I'm not sure that's actually the case. Uh, now, the main reason I'm paying attention to this one uh, has to do with the tagline. It says, Japanese Ice K game lets you terraform more than just Mars. Now, the reason they say that is because down in the description, it says that um, this game is inspired closely by the game Terraforming Mars, which is a favorite game of the designer. Um, so, I love Terraforming Mars. I think that's great. So I'm quite curious to see what this uh, other big fan of Terraforming Mars uh, has done with their game. Uh, it says, in this game, um, you are managing adventurer guilds. Uh, there's no direct attacking in this game, but the main interaction involves um, area control and quick taking of certain actions. Um, and yeah, I, again, if it didn't mention that this was closely inspired by Terraforming Mars, I probably wouldn't be following it. Right now, there are no images of what the game looks like, but um, that Terraforming Mars tie-in is enough to have me quite intrigued. Uh, looks like <laughs> me and just two other people on BGG right now. So hopefully some more information will pop up about this one. Um, it seems like it could uh, potentially not be something I'm interested in, but I just want to see that Terraforming Mars tie-in, or at least as much as they do it. All right, we can now move on to Kerr New Gi. 
This one is listed as a 2021 game. It says, turn back from the path of the dead and escape to the world of the living. It's a two to four player game, 90 to 150 minutes. So definitely not short overall. And in this game, it says it's a worker placement game in which players travel as souls through the darkness of the Sumerian land of the dead. In this dangerous journey, each soul is accompanied by shadows, guides and guards at the same time, whose aim is to make sure that souls do not turn back from the path of the dead. Um, so it looks like you are trying to escape and you're trying to collect escape points as you're doing this. There's a bunch of mechanics listed like area movement, dice rolling, program movement, variable player powers, and many others. And I am intrigued. Uh, it looks like it might be somewhat heavy considering it says 90 to 150 minutes. Um, it's kind of a neat idea of a euro worker placement game about trying to escape the uh, the land of the dead. <laughs> Definitely an unusual overall theme. So uh, currently there are no images of what this game looks like. It's coming out from Red Imp Games and I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Next up, we have Luna Maris. It says, you coordinate astronauts and explore the moon. It's a one to four player game. It says 30 to 120 minutes. Uh, so I'm assuming they're thinking it's about 30 minutes per player, which is a pretty medium weight uh, Euro style game. Uh, now it says that in Lunar Mars, players take on the roles of coordinators in charge of organizing the lunar operations of a big company. It'll be necessary to organize crew, fulfill demands, supply worker necessities, improve rooms in a complex, and respect the strict environmental parameters. Um, so it says this is a game with contracts, hand management, set collection, variable uh, player powers, and worker placement. And it does have a couple photos of what the game looks like. Uh, no real specifics of what the game is like to play. But from what I can see in the photos, it looks like it's got Euroy worker placementy type stuff that I like. Um, there's a hex um, area in the middle, probably a communal area that uh, workers uh, it looks like move around on and maybe activate some actions. Um, there's quite a few different areas of the main board, so it seems like it's a game with several different systems. And I'm looking forward to seeing how all of these things mesh together into one game. Next up, we have Mandala Stones. Uh, this is a 2021 release for Board and Dice. Um, and if you have followed my channel um, for long, you probably know that I cover uh, pretty much every game that they put out. In fact, I've already agreed to make a tutorial for this game, but I'm probably not going to be doing it until closer to the release date um, in the early to mid 2021, at least at this point. Now, uh, there is information about this game online so far. There are no images on BGG, but um, there is a playthrough video that um, the uh, Girls Stampede did with the Heavy Cardboard channel. Uh, there's a link to it in uh, Board Game Geek, and I got to take a look at it a little bit. It's a three-player game that they played on Tabletopia. Um, now, this is a two- to four-player game. It says 30-minute playtime, and in this game, there is essentially a wide variety of stacks of uh, colored discs out on the board, and on your turn, you are moving these really tall uh, artist tokens to open spots, and then you grab all of the top discs that are adjacent to that movement that match the artist. So there's different um, pattern styles, essentially. Um, so you can grab multiple of these stones. There's also some uh, uh, restrictions, like you can't take stones next to other artists, but these artists are neutral. So you're trying to position yourself to take as many stones as you can. You then put them onto your board into various stacks, which are going to score you points based off of different uh, conditions. And this game is all about being efficient because there are ways to score multiple things for one action if you stack things up right. And there are many different ways 
to actually score things where you can get points for low stacks or high stacks and um, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, um, the specifics of this game are uh, can be found in the playthrough that uh, is already up online. And again, I'll be putting out a video for this one um, in many months, but it's a very pretty looking game overall. Um, quite abstract, obviously. And as you actually take these uh, uh, tokens, you are going to reveal new ones underneath. You'll know what color they are because they're a big wooden disc, but you won't know what pattern is actually on the top. And those patterns dictate what you can actually grab on your turn. So yeah, it seems like a uh, neat multiplayer abstract style game where you're trying to um, outmaneuver your opponents while trying to have really big efficient turns. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting my hands on a copy of this one, although it will probably be a while until that happens. All right, we now have Mercurial. This is a 2022 release, so uh, definitely not anytime soon. Uh, but it says you are controlling the chaos of your elemental dice to craft new and unknown spells. Um, currently, it says self-published, uh, so I'm not sure how published this one will end up being. Uh, but the reason this one jumped out to me uh, is, well, I guess this sentence down here. Mercurial is an asymmetric dice drafting game themed on spellcrafting and combo engine building mechanics. Um, that all sounds cool. <laughs> you learn magical alteration techniques to control the chaos of your element dice, and you use these elements to combine lesser magics into new and unknown spells. Um, there are no images of what this game looks like on BGG, which isn't too surprising considering it's uh, set for a 2022 release date. But it says there is card drafting, deck uh, pool, uh, building, there's dice rolling, hand management, and other mechanics in a 45 to 60 minute game for one to four players. So it looks like it's uh, more of a uh, light to medium weight style game, which is definitely a type of game that I've enjoyed playing a lot recently. Um, so obviously I'll have to wait quite a while to learn more about this one since it's so far out. But um, I don't know. I just thought that uh, sounded kind of fun. I do enjoy engine building stuff. I like asymmetric dice drafting style games, and that is supposedly what's going on in this game. So hopefully uh, this one will uh, turn into something that I am interested in the future. Next up, we have Nile Artifacts. This is a 2021 release from designers Matthew Dunstan and Brett Gilbert. Uh, both of them have published many games. Uh, together, they were the design, I guess, designed many games. Uh, both of them uh, were the designers of Elysium, and yeah, they've got really good design pedigree. Uh, this is a pretty quick game. It's a two to four players, uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And in this game, it looks like you are essentially sailing back and forth on the Nile with a little boat. And when you stop on a location, you can take various artifact cards from the location that you're at. Uh, the Nile itself is just a long track. And uh, once all players have reached one end of the Nile or the other, there will be a scoring where you cash in these cards to then uh, help achieve these monuments, which are face-up cards in the middle of the table, in order to give yourself victory points. Um, this is a relatively lightweight game, it looks like, saying it's uh, 20 to 30 minutes. But it's got a great aesthetic. It's got a, a really nice image of what the game looks like, or at least a render of what the game looks like on BGG. And um, this kind of stuff just pops out to me sometimes. Uh, I do enjoy heavy games, uh, and I do enjoy light games. And this one looks like a light game uh, that could be one that I'm quite interested in. Uh, the publisher is on Kama, and they've definitely published some really good-looking games in the past. So um, this could be a, a nice package overall. Um, again, it's not coming out until next year, and I'm sure there will be much more information posted about it uh, by the time that actually happens, right? Right now, there are some nice images and a decent description, but no real specifics. 
Okay, we now have Prehistories. Uh, this is a 2020 release from The Flying Games, and it says that uh, in Prehistories, players are the leader of a tribe. They decide which members to go hunting and what prey they're looking for. Uh, now, the mechanic of this is a simultaneous bid, and if you bid a high number of hunters, that actually slows them down, so you'll have uh, later turn order picking. But if you go with a low number of hunters, you will not be as strong, but you will get earlier picks. Uh, so I always like that kind of tension with uh, decisions, you know, uh, uh, weak and fast or strong and slow. And then after you do that, you are also going to be uh, filling in uh, polyomino style um, various player boards in front of you. It looks like each player has their own player board. Um, so I don't think this is a terribly complicated or complex game overall, um, but it's got great art, and I am a sucker for polyomino-style games, and it looks like you are picking up various polyomino pieces to try and fill in your player boards, which is something I've just really enjoyed uh, doing in the past. Um, it does say it's a 30-minute game, so not terribly long for two to five players, and um, this just looks like the kind of game that I, I would enjoy playing. Uh, I can't exactly put my finger on it beyond um, enjoying polyominoes. Uh, hopefully that will be enough, and hopefully I'll have a chance to give this one a shot at some point in the future. Let's now move on to Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. This is a 2020 release, uh, hypothetically, for later on this year, and it's a re-implementation of Rajas of the Ganges. Uh, now, I uh, picked up and played Rajas of the Ganges uh, from Essen a few years ago. In fact, I did a full playthrough for that one, and it was a, uh, a dice game where you actually used dice as your resources, and then you had uh, worker placement things that you were doing as well to try and build out a compound in front of you to get a lot of points. Uh, but in particular, the, the catch for that game is it was a Euro game where you got points, but two different types of points, fame and wealth, and you won once they both met up on the track. One went clockwise and one went counterclockwise, and you could have a lot of wealth and not much fame to win, or a lot of fame and not much wealth, or go for a balanced approach. Now, this appears to be a roll-and-write version of Rajas of the Ganges. Um, uh, the original game was you know, the 60 to 90, maybe 120 minute uh, style hero game. This one says it's two to five players in 30 to 45 minutes. So it's definitely a distillation. Um, now, uh, in this game, there are a few images of what it looks like. It appears you have a pad of paper in front of you and you are going to be filling this in. Um, if you're familiar with uh, the original game, this uh, pad of paper looks very familiar. It looks like they've done a lot of distillation where you have the uh, area with the buildings that you're building, uh, you have a river track with a bunch of bonuses that was also in the original game. Uh, so I don't know the specifics of how all this works, but it appears like they are definitely trying to stay true to the original game, at least in what the game looks like to be. And I enjoyed Rajas of the Ganges well enough. It, it was fine. Uh, I did end up getting rid of my copy because it didn't quite uh, grab me in the long run. And I'm quite interested to try a 30 to 45 minute uh, version of that game, especially uh, with with you writing all this stuff down. I, I do enjoy roll and write style games, and there was a bunch of dice in that game, so it makes sense that there would obviously uh, be dice in this game. Uh, right now, it does not look like there are specifics of how it plays, uh, but beyond, obviously, the uh, images that are on BGG. So I'm looking forward to uh, being able to check out the rules for this one once they are posted. Okay, let's now move on to Roma Magna. This is a 2021 release from Arc. Chana Games, and it says down here 
that in Roma Magna, the objective is to make the most points at the end of the game by building your city effectively. Uh, to do so, players take turns uh, to place city tiles into their city. A newly placed tile must be connected to previously placed tiles, and whenever you place a tile, a connection with adjacent tiles is going to result in producing resources for that player. Um, so it looks like you are doing some communal building in the middle of the table. Um, so far, honestly, it seems like it's got a relatively generic Roman theme. We've seen lots of games like that, as well as tile laying, city building, that's not exactly new. Uh, the reason I'm paying attention to this one is honestly because I'm hoping it's got something um, of particular interest. I'm essentially uh, not fully sold on it. I'm sold enough to subscribe to it, me and eight other people. Um, and I want to see how this works. I, I do enjoy city building and I like tile laying. Um, so I'm hoping that this is going to bring something cool to that space. Uh, for mechanics, it says there are connections, drafting, uh, tile placement, and track movement. Uh, it's also a civilization style game, or at least that category. So if this does lean hard into some of those things, especially like civilization building in a communal tile laying space, uh, that could be pretty interesting overall. I would like to see that. Um, so it's entirely possible this will turn into a game that does not actually interest me. It's not terribly complex. It says 30 to 45 minutes, um, which is a time frame that I do enjoy in games. So yeah, I'm hopeful for this game. Uh, hopefully this one will actually be one that I'd like to try, and I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, in particular, some images of what the game looks like, as well as some more details on the specific rules. Okay, now we have Sumatra. This is a 2020 release from Ludonova, and the designer is Reiner Knizia. Um, if you're familiar with him, you'll know that he has uh, designed hundreds and hundreds of games, uh, and this is yet another new one. Now, uh, there is a decent-sized description of this game on BGG and a bunch of images, and it seems like the crux of this game is everybody is uh, essentially on a research team in Sumatra. Let's see. Uh, the theme over here says you are joining this expedition and you have the unforgettable opportunities to explore Sumatra from the top of its majestic volcanoes to the depths of its tropical rainforest. Uh, so you're trying to find exotic animals and flowers and discover uh, various cultures that exist. And mechanically, uh, what you're doing in the game is um, you're kind of all collectively but uh, competing to try and do this research. So there's a track and a little uh, research token. And if you're slower than the research token, then on your turn, you just have to walk up to the research token and then your turn is over. Um, if you're where the research token is already, you can research there or you could move ahead, which will give you first dibs on doing research into the next spot. So it seems like it's a competitive game where you have a bunch of researchers trying to out-research each other with some people pushing ahead and some stragglers and you're kind of rubber banding as you're going down this uh, route. Uh, now, as you are picking stuff up, you're putting them down into a grid on your board and it seems like um, you're going to score for a uh, pretty wide variety of different uh, conditions with that. And um, it's got some uh, other thematic things going on, like uh, apparently uh, to score various villages, you have to also um, get uh, a certain number of GPS tokens. <laughs> so it seems like it's leaning into uh, the exploration part of that uh, pretty significantly. So yeah, there are GPS tokens and various animals, uh, jewelry and uh, <laughs> Wi-Fi and stuff like that. So um, yeah, this looks like it has a neat theme overall. Um, I don't fully understand how that rubber banding research team thing works out, but um, I 
would love to understand that a little bit more. The rules are posted on BGG, but I decided not to delve fully into them. I try not to put too much time into research every single one of these games that I talk about in this vlog. Um, I tried just to get enough to be able to talk about it, and I'm definitely interested in this. I've enjoyed many Reiner Knizia games over the years. Um, the simplicity of the uh, um, the mechanics in his games, along with the uh, complexity of the decisions, is oftentimes really great. I, they're not always a hit for me, but uh, yeah, this one looks pretty good. 45-minute uh, playtime seems uh, great, so I would love to give this one a shot. Let's now move on to The King is Dead 2nd Edition. Uh, this one is being published by Osprey Games, and the designer is Pierre Sylvester. Now, this re-implements The King is Dead, which was a 2015 game, and that re-implemented a game called Konig von Siam, or I guess um, The King of Siam. Uh, now, that game came out in 2007 from the same designer, and I actually played this one <laughs> back in 2010. I have a logged play of it. Um, I don't remember a lot about it because it was literally over 10 years ago. It was August of 2010. Um, but I do remember it was a pretty cool game. Uh, now, the memory of the play is obviously hazy, but there is information about the game, obviously, since it's a re-implementation. And in fact, um, the uh, No Pun Included podcast just talked about it quite a bit in their last episode, and I did listen to that. Um, that kind of reminded me that in this game, you are trying to do area control, but you don't necessarily... Uh, own one particular faction in the game. Instead, you are trying to, I guess, um, change your control in each faction. But really, the big thing that stands out is that you have a certain number of action cards that you can play for the entire game. So when it's your turn, you could play, I guess, on your first turn of the game, technically, you could play every single card and then walk away from the table and come back in you know, 30 minutes and ask, did I win? <laughs> or you could just pass. Like, it's your turn. You just don't do anything. And then later on, you maybe play three or four cards. So it's all about not investing your resources too soon because if you invest too soon, you won't have the ability to react to what your opponents do. But if you wait too long, then the board state might still firm up to the point where even though you have a bunch of actions, you can't really do a lot with them. So you have to try and uh, figure that seesaw out. I do remember enjoying the game when I played it 10 years ago. I don't think it necessarily blew me away. It was a, a relatively simple game overall, but I do remember thinking it was pretty fascinating. And um, uh, the, no pun included, uh, uh, they really liked it. I know that FK and Elaine said they've played it a bunch, and I think they're going to do a full video on it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, again, even though it's a game I played, it was a long time ago, and it seems like it's got some really um, elegant ideas. And obviously, this is the second edition of The King is Dead, which was a re-implementation of The King of Siam. So there's been a couple iterations over time, so this is not going to be the same game that I played 10 years ago, and it seems intriguing. Uh, just the fact that they liked it so much is enough to have me relatively excited for it. Um, I'm not usually crazy about area-majority games, but the idea of uh, the control changing and also just the idea of like trying to figure out how many cards to spend does sound fascinating enough to overcome my preconceived notions of not really liking area-majorities. Um, so yeah, Looking forward to learning more about that. Obviously, Osprey Games makes great-looking games as well, so I'm sure it's a good production. Uh, actually, in general, Osprey Games sends me a copy of most games they make, so it would not surprise me if this one randomly showed up. They never send me an email. It just shows up on my doorstep. Uh, so perhaps I'll get to learn more about this one soon. Uh, all right, now we have The Red Cathedral. This is a 2020 release for DeVere Games, and I am actually going to be doing a sponsored tutorial for this one. Uh, that's one is going to go up in late October. I think there might be a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, there's going to be a Kickstarter campaign, so my video will be a part of that. Um, now, at this point, I have not read the rules in depth. I do believe the rules are posted on BGG. Yeah, they are. Um, but um, from a high level, 
in this game, it says this is a strategic Euro board game in which players are taking the roles of construction teams. Their job is to work together to put St. Basil's Cathedral in Mos Moscow as ordered by Ivan the Terrible. However, only one of them will be able to gain the favor of the Tsar. Uh, now, in the game, there are three main actions that you are doing, and those involve essentially um, sending out your teams to essentially call a spot, like, we're going to build this area here. Uh, you can also, I believe, do an action to do that building. Uh, and the other main action, I believe, is decoration. And then there is this dice uh, market mechanic where in order to get the various resources, um, you move the dice, I think, clockwise around equal to the pips on the die. You then do whatever it says. You get whatever is on the spot where you land, and then you roll all the dice on that spot. So I think you roll the dice after you get the stuff, so you know what you're going to get, and then that will put some input randomness in for other things. Now, again, I skimmed the rules, so it's possible I just got that wrong, but I did think uh, that that sounded pretty interesting. And I'm obviously going to have to learn a lot more about the game in the next couple weeks. Um, I actually got the shipping notice for this one already, so it is on the way to my house. Um, and I've got a lot of other games to cover before I get to this one, but I, I am hoping to start filming this one in a couple weeks. Um, again, I could read the rules now, but it probably makes sense for me to put that off a couple weeks for when I'm closer to actually filming the game. Uh, but either way, it looks uh, interesting. I, I like uh, medium weight Euro games and it looks like that is what's going on here. It says 30 to 120 minutes for one to four players. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, keep your eye out for a video that I'll be making in the future when I know a lot more about the game. Okay, we now have Witchstone. Uh, now, this one says uh, develop magic formulas and become the master of Witchstone. It's a 2020 release, but there is not much information on BGG uh, right now. Uh, it is being published by Hutch, and they're the ones who published uh, Rajas of the Ganges, actually. Uh, now, the designers are Martino Chiachiria and Reiner Kinesia. Uh, the first uh, designer uh, has designed many things. One of those was Mysthia, and obviously Reiner Kinesia has had his hand in hundreds of games. Uh, now, the reason I'm interested in this game is because it seems like it is a more medium weight game from Minor Kinesia, which is something that he does not do that much lately. It seems like most of the games he designs are more like 20 to 60 minutes, and this says 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, it says down here, uh, as established representatives of your guild, you gather around an ancient sacred stone, the significance and magical powers of which are known to adepts only. Each player occupies one of the four towers around the witch stone and starts from there. Create magic spells with the help of your cauldron to put a network of magic energy around the stone. Send out your witches, scoop the magic crystals out of the cauldron, make use of the pentagram and magic wand, and keep an eye on the prophecies in order to ensure victory so it seems like there's a bunch of witchy things happening. <laughs> uh, there aren't any images of what this game actually looks like at this point, but it seems neat. I like Reiner Knizia stuff. Uh, I think that uh, some of Martino's games um, um, seem quite interesting. I thought Mysthia was, was uh, pretty fascinating overall, even though I never played the full game. I did read the rules for that one. Uh, so I am hopeful that this is um, going to work out well. I mean, I'm sure this was going to be an Essen release before COVID happened uh, from Hutch. Uh, so it's probable that this will be released um, sometime around, you know, October or November, although everything has been thrown up in the air with the pandemic. But it still is still listed as a 2020 game. And I am quite interested to learn more about this one. Uh, the combination of designers, um, play length, as well as publisher uh, leaves me quite intrigued. Okay, we've now reached the final game we'll be talking about today, and that one is Wolkenbrutch, or 
probably pronounced very differently than that. Anyway, uh, this one is being published by Dachshund Games. And uh, this one grabbed me because of the theme. It says, four flames are burning and none may be permitted to go out. Can you and your friends stop the pouring rain together? So this is a cooperative game where you have cards in the middle of the table, really cute illustrated uh, cartoon cards. And it says um, in this game, the goal is to protect these uh, burning flames from the rain. Uh, and you do this by using uh, special decks of cards. Um, you uh, can also vary the uh, difficulty of the game and players are going to use specific special abilities to try and put umbrellas over these uh, flames. It looks like um, they're torches essentially. And um, you are combining cards where you have like a torch that's on fire and like a hand holding the torch. It looks like there's also maybe you flip the cards over for when the flame goes out and you have a very sad looking torch without any flame on top of them. Uh, it just looks really cute. It grabbed me because of the art for the most part. I do enjoy uh, cooperative games in general uh, and uh, the fact that it's a cooperative card game with a strange, adorable theme uh, is certainly enough to have me be interested in it. Um, it is listed as a 30 to 45 minute play length, which is a great length as far as I'm concerned for a cooperative game. Uh, so hopefully there is more information that comes out about this soon. It's listed as a 2020 game. So um, there's not a lot of 2020 left uh, and hopefully uh, they will put out maybe some videos of this one. Uh, I often say, you know, I want to see some images first and they do have images and those images have just made me even more intrigued. Uh, so yeah, that is Wolkenbrush. Uh, now that brings us to the end of all 28 games. <laughs> uh, I've learned about a lot more than 28 games, but I tried to cultivate this list down to the ones of, uh, of note. I know some of the ones I talked about today, I said things like, I'm hoping that I'm intrigued. Like I, I want to want to be interested in this game. Uh, so I guess my, uh, uh, pickings haven't been quite as uh, uh, fine-tuned as they could have been. I could have talked about less, but um, there were several that did not quite make the cut. And uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't too long overall. And uh, I'm planning on doing another one of these in a month or so. Uh, I have no idea how many games will be showing up on there, but considering in about a month would be when Essen normally is, I think there's going to be a lot of new games being announced that I did not know about. So yeah, I think that is going to bring this podcast to a close. Thanks for listening.